You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast exploring the Dark Knight Library. I am your host, Ryan Lauer. The Batman Book Club is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Just go to batmanonfilm.com, click on Podcasts, and you'll find the Batman Podcast Network. That is a whole list of other Bat-related shows that also like to dive into other nerdy subjects that all of us, including the one Sir Peter Vera, love to frolic about. He's the biggest frolicker. All of us frolic I've in our it. free time. Pete frolics, dives head first into the fields to frolic. Don't let him tell you otherwise. Batman Book Club is also on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash the Batman BC. If you like what's going on with the show and you help, want to help support it, uh, a big shout out to Alex Light, who just became a patron. So Alex, thank you very much for supporting the show. Yeah, if you want to join Alex and just uh, support the show, just go to patreon.com slash the Batman BC. And again, thank you, Alex. Now, Thank you for listening to episode 149, The Chalice. Joining me for this episode, um, he's returning to the show. He's been on on here uh, a number of times. Um, he just he doesn't get sick of me, I guess. Also, I think he wants a platform to fire back at Peter Vera, who loves to um, come at this guy for him for being a Wally West super fan. It's one Sir Javi Trujillo. Javi, welcome back to the Batman Book Club. Hey Ryan, thank you. Thank you for having me back. I'm in yeah. the Five Timers Club now. I think you are. You're wearing your your special uh, jacket, just like all the SNL members. That's or right. Maybe, maybe you're not. Maybe it's on the way in the mail. I don't know. Let's I've, leave it a I've little got, mystery. I've got my honorary cigar. I'm yes. ready to go. Yep, big old stogie now. Before we dive into Batman, why don't you go after Pete right now? You have a platform now. Go after that frolicker. He's been talking trash um get him and normally i would do that you know you can go on the dark web and find video of peter vera frolicking through the fields of new jersey booting uh, spilling out of his pockets out of his pockets out of garden in his hands despite my happiness of finally joining the five timers club mm-hmm. like my frolic level is a little lower today okay. because on twitter the batman book club March Madness bracket has Neil Adams beating my favorite Jim Aparo. And I'm a little yeah. sad about that today. That's okay, we don't know the final up. results. We don't know who, you know, guessed the bracket correctly, but on the Twitter poll that you posted, I mean, Neil Adams is handily besting Jim Aparo and I get it. I'm, I love Neil Adams. There's a green arrow autographed print by Neil mm-hmm. right to my right. RIP. I love that guy, but man, Jim Adams, well, Death in the Family, Nightfall. I think so. Batman I think you 432. Just, you just had a Freudian slip. You just said Jim Adams. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that, Javi. So, as yeah. much as you don't want to believe it, I think uh, Neil's on your heart sharing some space with Jim Aparo. He, he is. He is. Um, but still, was... I like to root for Jim. Um, 
Yeah, so the result of the brackets, uh, by the time that this episode drops, I mean, it's known. Uh, the winner has already been notified. Um, Obviously, it wasn't me. Yeah, it wasn't Javi. There's yeah. many people uh, who were doing pretty well. And then there was a round that shocked, I think, everybody. And uh, yeah, it was pretty surprising. And actually... Uh, prep yourself because next episode is episode 150 and um, it's going to be the one where you have Tim King and Sean Gordon Murphy and Tim Sheridan all together Tom King (laughs) Uh, not Tim King did I do it again? (laughs) oh my god (laughs) you're you're combining all of your all of your Batman yeah um, but no me and um me and uh, guests are going to be talking about some uh, Batman artist artistry. So um, if you're listening to this, most likely you're subscribed to the show. And so when that episode drops, it'll come in your feed. But yeah, stay tuned. Fun discussion coming and the brackets will be mentioned there as well. So nice. um, there'll be a lot of mentioning of Tim King, um, Jim Adams, you know, all, all the greats. <laughs> Uh, Norm Bermejo, uh, you know, uh, Norm good Bermejo ones. is yeah, one Jim of the Mazz- top Batman artists of all time. Jim Mazzucchelli, uh, yeah, you know, all the greats, but he's not as good as Frank Lee, but no, Frank you know. Lee, what, what a, what a guy, what a guy, everything, all of his frameable. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, the, We'll talk more about the brackets in the next episode and stuff. But yeah, they have concluded. Neil Adams has been crowned, has been voted on. I didn't choose him as the winner. Everyone who voted chose Neil Adams as as the winner. So I couldn't argue with that end result if it would have swung the other way, swung the other way with um, Aparo either. It's like, I don't know. There, it's someone like Batman. There's so many good artists that there's kind of couldn't, most likely wouldn't have argued with the result. But let's move on. Let's um, get to the uh, the meat and potatoes of this episode. And let's get to talking about Batman the Jealous. Now, a uh, more, what do you want to say, fancy way of saying that, Javi, if I want to dip into some French, it's Les Chalices. Les Chalices. So let's talk Les Chalices. Story was written in 1999, released in 1999, written by Chuck Dixon with art. You heard that name before, Chuck Dixon? With art from John Van Fleet. It's available in a trade paperback. It's available in hardcover and a deluxe edition hardcover that I think was released in 2021. Uh, it's available digitally. It's available on also on DC Universe Infinite Ultra. And also it's available on my favorite app of all time, Hoopla! So, Javi, for this episode, which version did you read? All. I read my oh, original oh, okay. my original hardcover from 1999. Excellent. Uh, and then yesterday I was at work, so I read it again on DC Universe Infinite. You read it at work? I read it at work. For shame. Well, no, because my, my work computer that I read it on, like the screen is bigger than any screen I have in this house, and oh, it's okay. bigger than the art. So it actually made it look even better because it was bigger. Well, there you go. 
I got to appreciate the nuance of Mr. Van Fleet. There you go. Um, I went to my favorite app of all time. Hoopla! Read it digitally on the iPad. And yeah, this is this is one that I do not own. More on that coming up. Taking taking your card. That's right. Uh, <laughs> when was the first time that you read this story? Uh, ninety nine when it when it came wow. out. There was there was a a little era there where DC was just cranking out like these little random hardcovers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this was one of them. Like it wasn't just like a prestige format thing. Like it's a legit hardcover. They did this. There was a Green Lantern one. I think it was like No Fear or Fear Itself. The life story of the Flash, uh, JLA Earth Two. Like there was a time I was just grabbing these things because it was cool. Like for twenty bucks, you get this nifty little hardcover. Yeah. Adventure. Which you know they, not as thick, but kind of the one bad day, initiative that they'd done. You know, similar sort of deal. Those that's kind of fun when it does drop. You know, a book like that that's you know a, an extended issue but it's a self-contained yeah. one one story i i like those because uh, it's just easier to to just pick up and read rather than doing like a six issue arc spread out over six months or something like that i i do like just grabbing the story and it's in its full oh. and there's there's so many things on my my bat shelf that are hardcovers but they're mm-hmm. collecting things either like miniseries Parasites? like batman damned oh. or <laughs> Or like Bat, just, you know, any of the regular Batman runs. Like I've got some of the Tom yeah. Keem stuff. Obviously, I've got the Morrison stuff in various mm-hmm. hardcover editions. But mm-hmm. those are all collections. Like what I appreciate about this story is it's original to itself. Like there's not, it's not, this isn't like three issues that were then collected later after the fact. Like this was it. And there's not a lot of Batman yeah. books that that can say that. I agree. Um, when I first read this, I probably first read this had to be like maybe 2018, 2019. Okay. I read sh- it through. I read it through Hoopla. When did the show start? The Batman Book Club. Uh, the week that Tom Hanks got COVID. Okay. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. That was when the first episode dropped and Ryan Haas and I were recording like an hour after it was announced that Tom Hanks got COVID. So that's how Haas and I have been able to like keep track of everything. Cause we're in the middle and like, should we keep going or do we need to Yeah, what do, we do? Sure. Let's talk Batman. Uh, but yeah, 2020. So um, I'm pretty, I don't want to say I'm pretty new to, to this story, but it's, it's not fresh in my mind. So mm-hmm. um get to that a little and you know even more another tease and just a little wait a little bit longer gotta ask you one more question though yeah why the chalice because this is one that you and i had mentioned uh quite a while ago yeah it was a when we when we get to the scheduling like yeah you and i will we'll get to this book much like robert reineke and i we were gonna do you know the doom that came to gotham we knew it was coming it was just but we've just gotta wait um so i knew i was talking the chalice with you so why is it, this one that was on your list? It's something that just personally I wanted to revisit because I remember really loving it when it came out, but mm-hmm. I haven't dusted it off in like at least a decade or if not longer. 
So I thought it'd be good for me personally to look at it again. And also like the stuff that you and I have talked about, a lot of it has been um, bigger, you know, blockbuster type things, like more well-known stories, at least to me, like we've done year three and Batman RIP and uh, right. most recently, and, and something like a death in the family where that actually pushed itself ahead of, this on like my list of stuff I wanted to talk about because it was more prescient at the time. Um, so this has been on the back burner for a while, but it's just of all the stuff that you have covered and you've run the gamut, like this is just one of those weird little gems that I wanted to bring to people's attentions because it is so different. It's not, you know, it's not one of the bigger known titles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of the fun of the show is hearing about more like obscure Batman stuff as well as like the well-known stuff. Like yeah. everybody knows the Court of Owls and, and loves the Court of Owls. And it's cool to hear people's stories. You just stories you just mentioned that you and I have talked yeah. about. People know those. Yeah. You know, but like to get to get these little gems, like when the Caruso's did like that one off story. Never heard from of like <laughs> from like Cataclysm or, or No Man's somewhere in that era. Like no it's, it's cool. It's cool to get those little things too, because I mean, the show can run for decades Amok. on the amount of Batman stories that we have. And it's, I wanted to grab just a little off the beaten trail story before I eventually torture you if you'll have me back to do more Morrisonian elements. I'm not as you know that- against as, <laughs> as people would think or that you'd think. I'd probably actually surprise you, but that's a discussion for another day. That's another day. So the chalice, I agree with you on one, especially for it coming out in 1999, the writer attached to this book, Chuck Dixon. Um, Yeah. I'm very familiar with Chuck Dixon because he was so prevalent in Batman comics when I first got started in Batman comics. Um, That's why Bray Fogel, Aparo, Alan Grant, those names are so like there in my mind, because those are the first comics that I was reading. Those are the first names that I was seeing when I was reading Batman and stuff. And Chuck Dixon was another one that was popping up a lot. So I know the name of Chuck Dixon. He is a pillar of nineties Batman, like Mm -hmm. without a doubt, just the volume of work he created for the bat universe, because it's not just Batman, it's Nightwing, it's Robin. Like dude was everywhere. Yeah. So this story is actually, at first, I know I think I put it off a lot because I wasn't sure about the art. Mm-hmm. Um, also, part of like getting like, I'd, I'd seen the chalice, like the cover and interiors and stuff like that before on the internet. But as far as like my hands on a copy, also, it's not like I saw it like at the library to read and I, I just didn't see it around much. And so, Hoopla saves the day always is where I first got to look at it. And I'll admit that I was not excited to revisit <laughs> this one. Yeah. But it was very, very fuzzy on what even was what happened in it. Even though, you know, I read it in, you know, 2018 or 2019 or something, it was very fuzzy of I don't really remember what this was about. Now, the version that I read though included the Unk A N K H uh parts one and two or books one and two as well. And in rereading the chalice for this episode, it then hit me of like, Oh, I think I grouped the unk in with the chalice 
And I don't think I liked the unk like really at all. I didn't read that and finish reading that before this episode either, because I just wanted to reread the chalice and I did yeah. that like twice. But I'm like, I think, I think that was what I, that kind of, <laughs> that kind of stained the whole book for some reason. I just, I didn't enjoy the unk. And we'll see when I, cause I'm going to finish reading that um, again. And we'll see if that still holds true because I, I don't love the chalice. Um, I do think it's like fine, but it's, it's waves of, I really like this. And then this is just kind of slow. And I think for me, yeah. that's kind of how the book was throughout. So you find this to be like a gem. Uh, we can just start dipping into whatever sections you want to, or if you want to do a quick overview on why you think it's a gem or we get into specifics. So you can, you can lead the way on what you want to touch on first since you, well, like this story. We'll we'll deal with the Ankh because the Ankh was not like the Chalice where it was a hardcover. It was two prestige issues that came out after this, and like the covers are very striking. Mm-hmm. But but like similar to you, like I don't remember anything. Like I don't even remember what the plot is for that story at all. And it's something I've wanted to to revisit also. Um, just on my own because I don't I don't remember if I liked it or if I disliked it or yeah. if I just bought it because it was Van Fleet um, same creative or, team yeah so that's why the deluxe and I don't because I swear I read that one with the chalice so this deluxe edition that came out just two years ago listed like, as part two which is well I don't think that? they're connected hmm. other than the team I don't think the stories have anything to do with each other yeah but I could be so, wrong. Like I said, it's been a while. I, I just know it. Like I've read them both. I just know I've I've read them both, and there was stink on Unk that, <laughs> that watched over, over, over the chalice. chalice. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, this. I guess we can just start with like this. The setup of the story is basically the the Holy Grail, the chalice itself, which is not referred to as the chalice at all in the book. Um. Yeah, it goes by a couple the, of the names, grill, but not the grill, the holy grail, and the cup. But it was the one that, and this is dipping into the religious settings of the story. It was the one that Jesus ate lamb out of during the Last Supper. It was also the cup that uh, had, that um, caught some of the blood of Christ while he was on the cross. Um, so it's very like heavily sought after uh, religious artifact that ends up in the hands of Bruce Wayne and somebody is coming to get it. Lots of somebody's are coming to get it. And as I think Bruce says me, at one point to Alfred, I think we can guess a familiar name that wants this the most. Um, yeah, we'll get to that one. Go ahead. What you were going to say. Uh, like for me, little known fact, um, I grew up as a huge, huge Indiana Jones fan in like the 80s and 90s. Would have never That's guessed. like primarily where I grew up. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm wearing an Indiana Jones hat right now as we yeah. record this just to get in the spirit. So, but it's not like a part of my fandom that is as well known as other aspects because for a long time, there's just, there's no content coming out to get excited about or discuss. Like it's all sure. been discussed and had. So 
Um, even back, even back then when this came out, this is 10 years after the last Indiana Jones movie, which was Indiana Jones and the last crusade, which is Indiana Jones looking for the chalice. Right. And, and I grew up, uh, Catholic and Catholic school, my whole elementary and high school. So like, this was like in my groove back then. Um, so it was cool to see like these two kind of worlds merge in a sense and when it comes to like my batman fandom like i'm not strictly like a one type of batman guy i know there are certain people that like solo batman or they like the bat family or you know like that like the grounded gritty detective or they like the big jla stuff yeah i kind of i'm all over the place with batman like i can i can appreciate you know both sides of the coin i don't really have necessarily a preference because mm-hmm. there's so much out there that you know, it, it ultimately doesn't matter because you'll find the Batman that you love, right? So I think for me, it's fun to have these more um, globe-trotting, expansive Batman adventures um, just to throw in the mix every now and then. I wouldn't want Batman to be like this all the time, but I think for like this instance, it works really well. And to, to your point, like of what Dixon's doing here, it's like, it's so rooted in the era of Batman that he was writing that he's kind of, I think he takes a break after this or he's near the end of his Batman tenure. So there's a lot of elements that if you were reading nineties Batman at the time you get in this book, hmm. um, just the rogues gallery, like in this is huge. We get two face, we get Catwoman, We see a little bit of penguin, Talia and of course Rachel Ghoul. There you go. Or Roz, if that's your preference. But uh I mean it's it's a pretty big adventure and it feels for me like it, it's like a hundred pages on its own, just the chalice part of it. But it doesn't it doesn't feel like a hundred pages to me. For me, it moves really quickly and there's a lot of splash pages. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but it doesn't feel like it takes for me. It didn't feel like it took as long to read as it should. When you think, Oh my God, I'm going to read a hundred pages or something. Um, I think it, it moves fairly, it moved fairly quickly for me. Did you find that at all? Or it sounded like you said it lagged a little bit at times for you back and forth, because I do think that there's, that there's moments of like good pacing. So I'm when there's interior dialogue, you know, or the boxes of setting up, you know, the scene and stuff like that. If there's a lot of words, like I'm not saying that that slows down the pace. I know mm-hmm. that that is more content for you to read and digest as opposed to sometimes like I've always commented that Sean Murphy's white Knight universe. I think that that, that every issue just bam, it's just, it just goes because there isn't much like internal dialogue and stuff like that. It is just dialogue one character to another and, um, you know, action moments and, and stuff like that. And it just goes, this has almost more style like that. But I guess it just feels like, and it's weird because I read a, a summary of it. I think it's a DC dot fandom, which does summaries of, you know, issues and mm-hmm. um, stories and everything. And I was reading their breakdown of the story with us. And I'm like, see summarizing in this way, everything does like make sense and it moves and it does feel like, man, a lot happens in these 
I think in on digitally it says it's like 96 pages even or something like that. But just in reading it, it just it's like, okay, let's let's go. Let's go a little bit. Um but I think and that's the like that's the it's always the good part of like discussion where it's like I should be enjoying this more than I do. I don't think it's always good it's not good criticism to sit there and be just say that like yeah, it's not good. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> right. The story's not good because it is like I'm reading it and I'm like, one, who am I to tell Chuck Dixon at this time of that something he wrote isn't good? Like, yeah, get out of here, kid. Um, but like, two, also like in thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, we got here because of this and this. Yeah, this happened because this and this. And it's like there aren't pieces of the story missing. Yeah, but there is something with it. I think that is is just making me wanting to shoot a little adrenaline in the story somehow. And you don't feel that way. No, like I, for me, it feels like a a widescreen adventure, and I think it it feels out of the norm because of the art, um, which definitely makes it feel separate from like the stuff Dixon was doing in the monthly books. Yeah. Like there, there's a different texture. It could also be like Black visuals. Label back in '99, with like yeah. how the art is different from these yeah. monthly titles and stuff. But yeah, it's different. Yeah. And that too, for me, like there were there were panels that I thought was great, and there were panels where I'm like, this feels a little messy. Yeah, there's a lot of like blackness. There's a lot of inkiness um, that the art takes on at times that you can't. That maybe it's a little harder to read. Or make out what's going on. Yeah. Like your eye does something different. And it's painted, but I, I don't know if it's really painted, painted or just like digitally painted. I don't know if that was a quite a thing back then mm-hmm. in 99, but there's definitely, I made a note, there's definitely a lot of like speckles, like, mm-hmm. like paint speckles yes. to like everything yeah. there, which adds to like that whole like middle ages vibe mm. that they're trying to capture. Good call. And and the story opens during one of the crusades, um, and there's a knight going to get the chalice from someone. And uh, he's, this doesn't he's, bother me. Go ahead, sorry. He's got like this emblem on his chest that looks kind of like a bat. Yes, but it also kind of looks like Raish's demon's head logo. But what I appreciated about this knight is he's incorruptible. You know. And as I as I say that, I can look at this Heath Ledger poster behind you, and and all I'm thinking is his line from The Dark Knight, you know, about Batman being you know truly incorruptible, and that's kind of what this knight is like. He doesn't give in to the temptations that the Chalice offers, or that what he could do with it. He goes to protect it. Which so it's funny to me, you brought that you brought that up because I mean we do find out later in the story. From Lord Winsley Gay and Earl of Grambling, Peter Dewettering. Okay. But I do love how Dixon even says it where the character himself is just kind of like, ah, the devil in those titles. My name's Peter. <laughs> yeah. My name's, my name's Peter Dewettering. Because Bruce even says, Do I call you Lord? Do I call you Earl? What do I call you? Um, but that guy, you know, just and we come to find out that uh Bruce's family are descendants of uh of the knight. Gavain, yes, who 
we see at the beginning of this story. Like, right? Like, that's how I took it. Yeah. This is the yeah. night at the beginning. We don't know that that's who he is at first, but in his relation so, to the story, but that emblem on it. And I'm kind of like, <sighs> classic comic books, like centuries ago, there's a Wayne and that was a bat kind of, you know, it's bat related where it's not. And I'm like, some of those mo- moments, I just kind of roll my eyes. because I'm like, no, the link of Batman in a Wayne happened in Bruce's study when the bat crashed through the window. It's not this blood thing that happened, you know, started in 1597 and, you know, stuff. And people like to do that where it's just almost almost like it's been this link all this time. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't think so. This didn't. It's just kind of to me like a fun little nod if you want to take it that way. Right. And so and then it's, it's like it doesn't bother me. Then. And like it's not. Maybe as overt as we're making it sound. Like I think there yeah. is some room for interpretation on what that exactly. symbol is. Yeah. It's not, it's not like cut and dried. Oh, this is a bat. <laughs> like it doesn't look like any bat logo we've could be seen. Be a W. Batman wear. Like it, it could, could be a W because we know how and so Gavain, like we know yeah. that um in other uh cultures, it's like W's can be said like V's. Yeah. Also, so maybe it was, you know, Wayne, but it's just like pronounced as Gavain. You know, I don't I don't know. I'm just throwing mud at the wall. Did um, you did you read um it came out the year before the chalice, so it may have slipped your attention. Uh Batman I was a youngster Scottish... with no money. <laughs> yeah. There was a prestige uh one shot Batman the Scottish connection by Morrison and Frank Quitely. It was the first time I saw Quitely's artwork and it it took me by it delivered. surprise. It wasn't my cup of tea back in 98. I'll say it like that. I, I'm looking it up. I don't think I, I don't have I don't have it anymore, and I hate myself for getting rid of it. Alan Grant. Was it Alan Grant? I thought it was Morrison. I think name just popped up and said Alan Grant. Um maybe I'm making Alan Grant stuff up in my, I've been getting names wrong all day. The You're late right, great it is Alan, Alan Grant. Grant. It's because of Quietly that I thought Morrison and Scottish. I thought Morrison, sure. but yeah, it's it's Alan Grant. No, I haven't read um, that one. Yeah, that that um, goes into Batman's history of being Scottish, and there's a, a family connection where his ancestor Gawain Dewain, <laughs> something, and it's all crazily <laughs> spelled. But Gawain, I read. Yeah, I'd read that the year before this and, uh, you know, when it came out. So hearing like he's got this knight that he's maybe related to the uh, Gavain, like that kind of sounded like the Scottish connection. So it felt it felt like it was like it all kind of came to it's all connected. Right. It's all always is. Yeah. So. um, Yeah, it just it just helped me like set the mood for like the story like it just it didn't seem too out of the ordinary because i'd already heard about batman's scottish connections the year before like his family history yeah and um alfred in this is really um really droll he's he's prime alfred Mm -hmm. and but he he kind of like subliminally lays this groundwork um he asks bruce another battle in the endless crusade and another long evening of gallivanting, sir. 
like he there's all these little night illusions that get you know thrown yeah. in there that kind of set batman up as the current day you know night of the chalice i felt like actually that this bruce slash batman was a little bit more cynical and out of character than the usual one um because even almost like a more cynical version of batman is just like this is this is my job this is what i do each night got two faces yeah threw him in arkham here like two lines that i even wrote down of what he said you know it's like i think the one is like internal even he's just like he just seems very much like this endless crusade and it's almost like this doesn't even matter because two Face is just going to go back in nothing changes and like another thing it's of like it's just not enough and i'm like I know these are just like a couple of lines, but that mood. And I, there's a butt coming that mood there at the beginning and setting up like this Batman just seems a little bit more, you know, like this is like more cynical than even like the. Having tough, you know, having a tough day sort of Batman that we've read in comics over and over. Mm-hmm. But upon the second read of this. As in, like, you know, I read it once all the way through and then reread it again just before we started talking. I felt like maybe that's a little bit, I mean, it's all open for interpretation of maybe that's a little bit of the point of restoring his faith because of this story, the the inclusion and the topic of religion uh, in this as well. And maybe I'm digging too deep into it, but like maybe it is like it's a man now that you see that he's just going more, more negative, more negative. He needs a little bit of hope, a little bit of faith. Oh, look at that. Here's the inclusion of religion now all of a sudden into this story. And maybe that that's a connection, and a small little thread. Yeah, I think I think both interpretations that you just had are pretty valid. Like I didn't. I didn't necessarily see that that cynicism. Um sure. but I but I understand like when you mention it, I'm like, no, that makes total sense given given what he, you know, he's gone yeah. through. And and it, it seems to be more of um more of like an entry level Batman, if you will. Like if if you're not necessarily familiar with the character, like you're not reading it month in and month out, like if you're just diving in. Like this would be for like that crowd mm-hmm. to be like, oh, this is Batman. It's the never. It's like Superman with the never-ending battle. It's the same thing for Batman in in this story. Yeah. What what I found odd, um, especially with, in terms of like the Bruce Alfred dynamic, was Alfred doesn't really know a whole lot about the Grail, but like Batman's like, I'm a Grail scholar. Like I've done all this you know yeah been interested in this the whole I've time done some like, research alfred and while i'm used to like a batman who knows a lot about a lot of things like it felt weird to me that that he would know more than like alfred on this subject just mm-hmm. because like alfred with his english upbringing you'd think he'd know more about like knights True. and the crusades yeah than than rich boy bruce wayne even though he has traveled the world um so i thought that was that was interesting but looking at like batman's history right now like he's this is 99 so we're not quite or no we're in the middle of like no man's land at this point when this was released like maybe at the cusp of it ending 
So like I could see some of that cynicism creeping in there just a little bit. Hmm. Um, like he's been through nightfall, he's been through contagion. Yeah, no man's land ended like it December of 99. So this is like right at the end of that. And yeah. as far as we can tell, like this Gotham is a restored Gotham. Like yeah. it, there's not a time specifically set on it. They don't mention any other events. This like feels got, like status quo Batman. Yeah. Like penguins in like the iceberg lounge. Yeah. Selena's in her purple suit. Ubu is, I don't know what's going on with Ubu with yeah. his, his Jason mask. <laughs> yeah. But he's, he's playing dress up. He's cosplaying. Yeah. That, that was weird, but th- that's, that's the error that this is coming out in is, is like right at the end of no man's land in the comics. I mean, you can even throw that in there too. the inclusion, which I felt was maybe out of nowhere, but also like whatever is, you know, the two pages that Azrael shows up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Azrael's in there, too. That's a little bit to me. It's just I think it's fine that it's in there, but also if I'd skip those pages, it wouldn't matter. However, he does almost plant a little bit of like like a a seed in Bruce's mind because Bruce even references that when he goes and sees Gordon. And he said what John Paul said. I've been thinking about what John Paul said, you know. Yeah, there's um, like Azrael Gordon. They're they're little more than cameos to this story. But like, I like having them in there. I liked I liked having Azrael in there, even though you you would think he would factor into it more. But yeah. given that he's got like this whole religious um, background and, and upbringing yeah. to him, like it, I think it would be weird to not have him given this era like from from a 2023 perspective like yeah i think it stands out more because he's not in the mix regularly but if you got this back in 1999 like it makes total sense that that asriel would be in there i mean he just they this isn't that far removed from when this character took over for batman and involved yeah. in the massive mega event known as Nightfall. So that's what I mean. Like, it doesn't surprise me that he does show up. I think he could be removed and it wouldn't hurt the story in any way whatsoever. Um, that you mentioned with Gordon, too. Of course, I love it whenever Gordon pops up. Like, he's one of the mainstays in Batman lore, you know? Uh, one of the first allies mentioned, if not the mm-hmm. first. I think Alfred's probably always mentioned as the first ally of Batman. But, you know, right behind him, Gordon, probably. If not, it's yeah. like Alfred, Robin, Batgirl, then Gordon. I mean, He's Gordon, one of the top. He's yeah. one of the tops, always. So it's always good to see him. But I kind of feel like the GCPD aspect of this is almost just kind of there, too. So like we're inside GCPD, and Harvey gets, uh, Bullock gets you know a folder about these murders that have happened, some beheadings. And then Montoya says, well, the results say that this one body, he's over 200 years old. And she's like, so we were handed it because of, you know, it's a freak murder. Yeah. And then we don't visit with them for quite a while. And <laughs> then they the show end, up like, again at the end. the aftermath. Yeah. Yeah. At the aftermath. So it's almost like, do like, it's fun that we see them, but also is it, is it really needed? And that's not me trying to approach this with cynical view because there's many things that I've seen and something pops up that probably could be removed. And I'm like, well, I was happy that that was included just for sheer fanboyness. Um, So it doesn't hurt the story, but it it was more noticeable in the second time around knowing, you know, being fresh on the story and reading it and being like, 
I, they don't have much here except I would say by because good old Lord Winsleygate and Earl of Grumbling, Peter, you know, he dies. And then yeah. Montoya says, you know, like his he's over 200 years old. So that then starts to us as the reader accept what Bruce probably is very defiant and accepting that. Hold on. There's bigger matters at play here. This cup looks just like a cup, which he and Alfred are both not impressed in what it looks like because they figure it's going right. to be more impressive. Um, there's more to this. Like open up your mind and accept possibilities a little bit more. So in that case, you could say that's the importance of their inclusion. It's like, okay, I think there's another way that you can do this. Like Bruce is shot in the leg and then he pours water out of the cup onto oh, it and it heals. Straight, straight <laughs> out of Indiana Jones in the last <laughs> crusade. Like that that was the first thing I went to was when Sean Connery gets shot and Indiana Jones pours the gradle or the the chalice water, whatever you want to call it, on yeah. his wound and it immediately heals up. Healed. And that's you know where Batman because they like you said, they do the analysis and there is nothing spectacular mm-hmm. about it whatsoever. But then when they actually put it into practice, like something special happens. Yeah. And it's it's just one of the one of one of those things like Barbara briefly makes a cameo too, and her contribution is there's some weird binary code in here that that says stuff references um, about a, a, the, a line from the scripture from the Bible. Yeah, but it, it's it's just one of those like cameos that that entrenches you in this world because she's Oracle at this point. She's paralyzed from the Killing Joke. And, you know, Bruce wants to offer her healing and that's, you know, that's not for her. Like she's not, she's not ready for that. I respect that choice from Dixon as well for the character of Barbara, who says that like, if she basically, basically, if I am to heal and get out of this chair, I don't want it to be because of a miracle. Yeah. Like that kind of, I think that's pretty spot on for that character. And I think that's a, like, that's a good little moment. And that, that too is almost like, as you just said, that strengthens the use of her in the story, you know, even though it's very brief and it adds a little bit more appreciation of the character because of that moment too. So she has figured out this code that references a, a line of scripture in the Bible. Plus she has a, like her self character moment of like, no, when I get out of the chair, I want it to be because of me. I don't want it to be because of a miracle Two, like, I don't know, good things in the story by using her. Yeah. I think if you were to like try and adapt this to a different medium, like the, the stuff with the way Gordon's used, the way Montoya and Bullock are used Asriel, Barbara, those would probably get pushed aside. Um, But if you're reading this, like if you're doing a Batman reread and, and reading it in chronological order, like I think you would get a lot more out of this. Um, because even stuff like uh, Montoya and Bullock at the end, or like where they find all the the bodies uh, at the after everything's said and done, like Bullock makes some mention about, oh, uh, these are just these mass suicides that we get every so often with these weird <laughs> tattoos. Because it's oh, yeah. all like, another one of them. <laughs> it's like it's like every now and then, like Raish's, 
you know, goes after Batman with his army, and then there's just dead ninjas in Gotham with demon head tattoos on them. But even <laughs> even it's almost like Forever's uh, Gordon about, yep, definitely suicide. All right, yeah. let's close the book on this one. <laughs> Actually, since you brought it up, um, I, I did want to talk about Gordon briefly, but the Two Face in this, since you mentioned Forever, I got I got a really big. Um, Tommy Lee Jones vibe out of this Two Face, like, like he calls Batman a rat a lot. Like I can't think of Dixon ever having Two Face call Batman a rat at all ever, but he does it like three or four times. And just even his dialogue, like my only regret is I can't kill you twice. It's like it just seems very. Tommy Lee Jonesy, and maybe because it came out in the nineties, and I, that was just more in my brain at the time. Um, Dixon really but, wanted to write, but just didn't know how to spell that really bad laugh of Lee Jones. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but but that's he. Two Face isn't a major player in this. He's he's the throwaway, recognizable villain. Did did you like how he's, he came off in this? Yeah, well, it didn't bother me. Not my favorite. Um, Given the tone, though, it's like I didn't need the long Halloween serious Two Face at the end yeah. for this. Um, he felt more at the time, and I was completely fine with that. Similar, you could just see it as like, oh, this is a cold open, which I respect the cold opens and stories and stuff like that of just Batman take down a villain because it's like, hey, look at this. It's you know, it's Batman, member of his rogues. Batman takes him down, but there is a point here, and like Batman gets shot in the leg in the process, which we already talked yeah. about that serves a purpose in the story. Um, but yeah, he was a little more comic booky in this. Um, I didn't put together the Tommy Lee Jones angle, but maybe not that far, but yeah, definitely parts of it for sure. Uh, served his purpose and he got out of there. You referenced, I do, I do like again, could have you could this is like a, a cut the i like the inclusion of penguin penguin pops up in this too briefly but yeah. i could see in an animated adaptation that they rework penguin but he serves a purpose he wants this cup who and then he hires catwoman five million dollars it's at wayne manor go get it take absolutely nothing else i'll give you five million dollars which seems low. <laughs> like, uh, like, yeah. Um, I don't know. It seems really, really cheap to get, you know, something of such historic significance. Yeah. The Holy Grail, literally. Yeah. Um, but he, he serves his purpose. And then that, you know, that leads to a big, a big moment in the story with Catwoman. So I think like, there and that's where I was telling you too of like me trying to figure out where I feel like the book as a whole I think is fine. Um highs and not like lows really either. It's like highs and fines. <laughs> uh because all this stuff I'm even in talking with you and I'm and we're hitting on them and connecting them. And it's like, well, yeah, that served a purpose. Two Face served a purpose, Penguin served a yeah. purpose. I get some Bullock and Montoya, they did serve a purpose. Um Gordon, I'm not so sure. Yeah, Gordon's he gives him a file. But yeah. what what's in that file that Batman didn't already know? Well, it 
I like the line that that Gordon sensed Batman in the room. Love it. Yep. You know, because that that kind of puts him on an even playing field with Batman. Because Batman's constantly like surprising him by showing up or then like leaving. Then he's like, oh, I'm I'm talking to myself. That and that evokes animated series to me. Yeah. Of Batman just showing up in his office. Gordon's got this great line uh that he sensed Batman in the room. He's like, a shift in pressure in the room. I am a mm-hmm. cop. Like that gives Gordon like agency. You mm-hmm. know, he's not the Pat Hingle, thanks for saving the day, Batman. <laughs> you know, and and like he he's a little more intelligent. The thing with the Gordon scene is that is Bruce at this point, Batman is like he's wrestling with his faith about like a lot of things. Like he doesn't know he doesn't know, you know quite what to make of everything he's seen the gray old heels like but it doesn't show scientifically any properties and and he just kind of goes to gordon to just bring up the question and even though batman doesn't say much like they don't really have a conversation it's more gordon like telling batman about where he stands with his faith and and sarah um that it just it speaks to their friendship it's not something that I feel like we get a lot of these days and it's just like two friends having a quick conversation in like that Batman fashion. And that's what yeah. I, it doesn't necessarily like, you know, bright lights, arrows pointing. This is important to the story, like plot element, but it's, it's just a nice character beat between two people. They kind of try and figure out where they stand on a couple of things. But does it give Batman a concrete reason to keep going? I I don't know, but I really do like the scene a lot. I like its inclusion. I didn't necessarily get anything out of it, though. I know that unless it is assurance of that, like you said, Batman checking in on Gordon and Gordon himself even says of we go to church. I don't know. If that's just to, let's see what he even says. I'm not sure how much of it is honoring a promise to my mother. Yeah. So Gordon doesn't even say of like, I am a man of faith. I make sure I always go to church because I believe it's question. He almost feels like I don't exactly know if I know why I go. Which we know of Batman. And I think Batman, if he dips into religion, religious stories, a lot of it is for the historical aspect of it. Right. They don't dip into Batman like preaching um, any sort of faith. And I think that's rightfully so, because like, yeah, there's there's a lot of different thoughts out there. And I don't think that Batman needs to be um, like has to directly go in, in one way. But. I think it's appropriate here that he's undecided on stuff because there's a lot. I mean, there's a reason that they say with religion of faith, Batman has to be a man of science. In fact, I need to show you that here is proof. Well, faith is hard to grab it physically and show you, you know? So I do appreciate his, I don't know how to feel on this because I think that's very humanistic for for anybody to go back okay man i just i don't know how to feel about this and question how do i feel about this his proof though is that he poured water out of a cup this holy cup and his wound healed 
like that. Hmm. That's. But he goes around along the route. Okay, so this thing, this item, then just had this artifact is valuable. It needs to be protected now, then, because yeah. Raz Rachel Ghoul's coming to get it, and I don't think he's going to use it for good reasons. Because Raz really? doesn't use things for good reasons. Um, in his mind, he is. As I am not a father, yeah, but I can understand. Um, egos getting in the way. And by being a protective father that you want to protect your children. And so Roz wants it not for himself because he's immortal anyway. He wants it for his daughter. I love the inclusion of Talia here, albeit brief. So let's backtrack a little bit. I do like the quick little backstory that Roz has and tells his assistant, Shuram. Shuram. Um, yeah. Go to the Batman Book Club rules S, uh, <laughs> and telling him that he three times in history over these centuries that it's it's gotten you know just out of reach for him. Um, that's a fun little history lesson, and then in the end, it does come out too that he wants it for Talia, so that Talia can live forever, basically like him. Which, which is a fun twist on it because I didn't remember that being the motivation. You go to, you think of Ra's al Ghul and you think of the Lazarus pits and, and his obsession with them and living yeah. forever and, and taking over the world slowly. So you think, okay, there's the cup of Christ that can grant immortal life. Of course, Ra's would want that you got to have a backup for the Lazarus pits, but like to find out that that's not the reason why he wants it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That, that caught me off guard. Um, rereading it this time. But then it's and very I, fitting I, too, that if it's like, if it's not for him, then it's for his daughter. Yeah. Well. Cause we don't, we don't see that dynamic anymore between the two of them. They've been very antagonistic for like, what at least a decade now mm-hmm. like the dynamic for them has changed considerably in the 21st century about how they relate to each other and this era talia was much more subservient to her father mm-hmm. um and i like though that while we get like this classic batman versus race battle yeah like in the end it's stopped by talia like firing bullets between them just like that's enough children's childishness. <laughs> I love that yeah. too. I was just like, she, she does just come in and be like, you idiots stop fighting yeah. over this, this thing. And like, I, I don't I, want it. And if I don't want it, then you don't need it. And he's like, all right. <laughs> so. Yeah. It, and I really like that. Um, I mean, I like that moment, you know, and he says, Talia, my darling, you know. And she goes, about the grail? Yes. And he goes, then you must know it is my gift to you. One drought from it. And and she goes, I would spit it in your face. I would die for you, but I will not become immortal for you. And then the line which she says, let me live each day as a precious one, not dread each morning as an endless progression. Like, I really like that. And yeah. Talia's, I think Talia, she can be such a great character of like that moment she's not a villain in this story at all no and then times when she is a villain can be written really well too so it's like i don't know that's that's a good character when done well of she can go either side and it's i don't know it's it's good material yeah 
100% agree with you on that. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's and, see. And, you know, we get to see, like, Keaton-style batarangs as they fight, which was I, awesome. I was going to mention the art quick, and one thing in the art, I know one page in particular, page 30, but then there's some other parts popping up where I thought the cowl looked, reminded me of Keaton, um, and then also reminded me of the cover of Child of Dreams, which was kind yes. of done in reference to 89 yeah. cowl as well and i thought some of those moments popping up were cool um and this is a team yellow oval batman it sure is hashtag team yellow oval uh we already talked about the art was a little bit like at times worked really well for me at times it was all right one of the main battles i really liked the the tweet you put out i never thought of it or put it together um since you came like since you made the observation you can bring it up there's uh, a fight between Batman and uh, Raish's men on the docks, and uh, they're all. He's going to stop. What was the gangster's name? It was something MM. Well, not, not the Merovingians people, because those are going oh, to the okay. manor. There's like Mook, Mannheim, not Mannheim Superman. Oh, the Mook. Um, but there, there's some deal going down at the docks that, that Batman's getting. That's going on at the same time that he's yeah. trying to to stop as well. And that's when he gets attacked by by Raish's men. And he's on top of like this kind of tower thing. Uh, and he's just surrounded by by Raish's by the League of Shadows and Mankin, that's the the gang mm. that's there. But he's surrounded by these guys as he sits atop uh this pillar and and is waxing poetic about it. But obviously I didn't think about it the first time I read it because Court of Owls hadn't come out, but it's very similar. It's a splash page and it's very similar to uh, one of Capullo's covers uh, for City of Owls where the, the Court of Owls is surrounding Batman in his pajamas top Wayne Manor. Yeah. That was a fun comparison. Obviously yeah, I don't... Brought up. I don't know if Capullo it's thought of that and, and drew it, but it's it's an interesting look back. There's a lot of um, splash pages in this. I don't know if it's because they had the extra space, so it was intentional, um, but there's like quite a few. If you're going to do a book like this, I feel like you got to make it worth it. So you yeah. gotta like it gives the gives the room to do more full page um spreads and, and stuff, you know, like splashes. So yeah. Um didn't mention it before, but I mean I I do think the whole scene of Catwoman at Wayne Manor is awesome. Yeah. I love the interaction between her and Alfred Jeeves. Um yeah, we didn't mention that and that's I think that was a that's a highlight of the story. Um, do you have anything else you want to bring up, or you want to move on to some favorites? Let's see. I think we've mentioned we want to a say, lot for a ninety-six page book. Yeah. Do you uh, want to reveal what happens to the Grail, or do we want readers to find that out for themselves? Um, we already kind of spoiled the ending as it was. So he gave it, Bruce gave it to someone. 
that I think is a fun punctual like a fun punctuation. Yeah. I uh, that I it's agree. appropriate and makes sense. Yeah. Um I'll I'll leave it at that. If you've read yeah. the story, you know. Yeah. If you haven't, it didn't spoil it for you. So and it, it for me it just again, it just entrenches it in this era and it makes it makes perfect sense that that would be who we would go to. Yep. I agree. All right. Javi, I want to know. The fans demand it. They want to know. What was your favorite part of Batman? Le Chalice. Well, I had to think about it a lot because I, oh, I do love me a good Batman race. You know, the world's at stake battle. Mm-hmm. Like I just love how epic those feel, and that and that was a lot of fun with the batarangs and the sword fighting and all that. But I got to give it up to the Alfred and Selena combo. Um, that it's funny because like I'm so used to thinking of Batcat now because that's mm-hmm. all we've been getting. Tim King, yeah, yeah. It started in Hush where they became more of an I mean they've been like together off and on before throughout the years, but modern era, like it kind of started with hush that there was maybe something more. And then King really brought it to the forefront. So it was funny to go back and look at this during the time when maybe Alfred and Selena weren't as familiar with each other. Um, and just, just the camaraderie they had um, dealing with things. And there's some great panels of them fighting the Merovingians, the brotherhood. And even like at the end where Alfred, um, like Batman's going to go take care of the grail to a secure location. And Alfred's dry, you know, just as well, I suppose I have a bit of straightening to do upstairs. Like you can just hear like any of the Alfred voice actors just deliver that line. And, and the way that Alfred kind of rolls his eyes as he looks upstairs knowing what a disaster he and Selena made of it. And Batman probably doesn't even know yet. It's, it's just, it's a fun moment that encapsulates like just a great fight scene of like Alfred with a shotgun and Selena with her whip taking on all these intruders in Wayne Manor. Like it, it was just a lot of fun. So there's this movie. I haven't gotten to say this in a while. Uh, this movie in 1991, it's called point break. There's a guy in there <laughs> cast as Gary, you know, this is Gary Busey, and he says yeah. this thing where he leans out the window and says, Utah, give me two. Because I fully agree with you, Javi. That is my favorite yeah. part as well. I love the spot-on character quippiness of both Catwoman and Alfred, how they put their beefs aside because there's a bigger threat here, and then how it is almost like a, a gentleman's agreement at the end of like, well... Let's just call it a truce. And yeah. she just she just leaves and exits. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I love all that. The fact that like she gets caught by one of the men and, you know, Alfred has to save her. But then she winds up just taking him out herself. And he's like, why? Yeah. Why did you wait? She's like, well, What's I was happening? waiting for you to say <laughs> where the thing was. Well, she's also it's, it's also like. um Gennaro on Jurassic Park of like clever girl when she yeah. empties the vase to watch where the water drips yes. and drips yeah. to the clock. And so you're like, ooh, how close is she getting? So 
that trip was not a waste for her because she like in my mind the story ends but in my mind it's like she knows it's putting that in her back in her back pocket yeah there's something going on behind this clock another day another adventure so exactly all the all that stuff i thought was just it was just good stuff Um, yeah because penguin's directive is only steal the grail or the cup and don't grab any of the other things and and when she finally goes into Wayne Manor and she's just like a kid in the candy store of like mm-hmm. all the great stuff that Ooh, she could wow, take. Wow. But but this is the stuff that he's got out. Like what kind yeah. of stuff is he hiding? She's that... like, so what's in the safe? If all this yeah. is what he's willing to show. Um, how about a favorite panel? Uh again, I I wrestled a lot with that. I wound up with like four choices. Uh, um but I want to say there's a great shot of like Batman giving his grail history lesson. That's a splash page. Hmm. That just, it's perfect in how just symmetrical it is. But yeah, my favorite is the 89 drop down shot of Batman crashing through the glass. It's a splash page. And he's like, and no one gets hurt. And it's, it's awesome. Nice. <laughs> there, there's so many good splash pages to choose from. Uh, Mine is. Batman behind Gordon in his office. That one is also good. Just because, I mean, it's that is, Batman and that Gordon. Is classic. A lot of shadow. From, like I said, evokes Batman the Animated Series to me. Um, that on its own without dialogue and with no context, I think it's, it could be just a cool image too. Yep, yeah. Batman, what did you Batman think of Gordon. the shot of when he gets shot by Two-Face, the splash page, and there's just all these like bullets flying all over him. I mean, he's I kind of diving down. Yellow ovals on display. I mean it positively, but I think it's fine. It okay. it wasn't a massive standout, but it is okay. There, it's not a mistake that that spot one spot looks like a red circle. You know, it's, yeah. And then you think about it, it's like okay, it's a bullet, bullet, bullet. Oh, okay, yep, one of them got him. And also, well, that's he that, got shot that con- in the panel before. But I mean, like you but, see the, the yeah, entrance that of the too. panel before, but it's still keeping your keeping your eye on with that. But I think the bullets, it's one of those mixes of the bullet looks almost like it's a that's a real image of a bullet. Yeah. Thrown in here with this, you know, with this art, um, like a blending of the two. Yeah, I can't like, tell if it's like a digital composite or if it's actually painted that way and it just looks that that pristine that it, the bullets definitely pop out in a way that it doesn't quite blend in with the rest of the art that we see in the book yeah but there's a couple things like with the city too where i'm not i'm not sure where these backgrounds are coming from if they like kind of like mm-hmm. photocopied like a city and just kind of put it in the background and composited all the images together. Yeah. It, it's a unique book, even, mm-hmm. even by like today, 23, 24 years later after it came out, there's still nothing that you can compare to the visuals in this other than another Batman book by John Van Fleet. It's a, it's a unique look that I think you should take your, take your time with it and look yeah. at the images and not just try and fly through. Yeah. Um, 
and that's not a comment on like i said the beginning of times where i feel like the pacing is slower and should pick up it's not because i'm sitting there looking at the art I just, yeah um when you think and, of like batman painted art or batman painted stories like it's not it's not an alex ross style it's not a lee bermejo style it's not photorealistic um in its depiction of of people mm-hmm. you know it's it's definitely striking a certain mood that um you just don't get with yeah art art that we normally art, see in these types of things you know art 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 art, art. yeah would you like to see this adapted in animation? Yeah, I think I think the whole thing is is kind of like a, a bigger scope than like the typical Batman story because of it's got so many different elements. Um, so I think it would translate really well to the small screen as like an animated movie, but not in your typical. Uh, I guess it's called the Tomorrowverse now. Uh, the new style, the new universe that they're doing. I saw that branding the other day, mm-hmm. I guess because of because the first new movie was Superman Man of Tomorrow. So I guess like stuff like Long Halloween is in this Tomorrowverse universe. Huh. Um, I wouldn't want it like that. I would want it to be more like um, Battle of the Super Sons to use like that CGI type of animation to because the book stands out from like a normal comic book. Mm-hmm. I feel like it deserves an animation style that differentiates Equal. it from everything else. Yeah. I like going different as well. Is it something like I wouldn't mind it. Um with it being a story or yeah, a 96 page story, I think they could leave everything in and maybe flesh out a little bit more. Add I don't know, add an action piece or something like that too. I don't know. Um, I think you could do, I mean, the Batman, the doom that came to Gotham, you know, dipped into like horror and, you know, um, I don't know if you want like, not, not really mythology, but you know, it, it went into history of things. I mean, in this one, this one could do the same thing. Um, there's a way that you can avoid being too controversial. Like, I don't think this one is religiously controversial. Because it is dealing with history and like, well, do you yeah. believe in the history or, or not? That's it. It's not telling you to force something on you. I think they can approach that and add some, add some stuff. And then, yeah, like, like you said, I would want the art to be an original style. It I doesn't have it's... to try and copy John Van Fleet at all, but like, just make yeah. it a little unique. Yeah. And I think like I've mentioned it before, like there's, as long as they stick it, keep it in that vein of like Indiana Jones and the last crusade where you're not, you're not telling people you're not forcing the belief we're, system we're not a on sermon. Them when it comes to religion. Yeah. This isn't a sermon, but just, but have it be like this grand adventure. And you know, you don't know, let, let the audience find out the answers that they want to find, you know, let them make up their own minds about, about what it all means. So I think if they stuck in that, in that vein, then they would be a okay. Yeah. Um, quick final thoughts then. Actually, there's there's one note no. that I, I, I forgot no, about. The, your your friend Peter DeWittering. Oh yeah, that guy. Uh, he's when he he's when the he uh, Lord Winslegate and Earl of Grambling. In case yeah. When he t- okay. When he meets Bruce, did you get a uh, Professor Noby from Evil Dead Two vibe 
Like you remember when he shows up in the cabin, he's like in between worlds and he's kind of like this weird ghost face. Yeah. That's what he reminded me of. Cause it's very, it's like Batman or Bruce is talking to him like on a screen almost. And then as he's like, Hey, you're going to have this grail. And then he just kind of fades away and dies. <laughs> and <laughs> let me just tell just, you this. And then, but... yeah, like there's a little like EKG thing at the bottom and then it just bottoms out at flat lines. But like the I way that Van Fleet shows his face, I'm like, that kind of reminds me of Evil Dead 2. And I wondered, since you're a horror guy, if, if you made that connection also. It didn't, but now, thanks. There, there you go. I mean, I'll be watching, I'll probably go through and watch the first two Evil Deads again before this new one comes up and out. But uh, yeah, now I'm going to be thinking about it. So appreciate it. There you go. There you go. But Lord Winslow and Earl of Grimbling, Professor Nobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah final final thoughts. Thoughts. i i still i still really enjoy it mm-hmm. it's not it's not one of my favorite all-time greatest batman stories yeah but i i think it's there's a lot to love in it um and it's it's definitely a product of its time in terms of like the world batman is in but but not in a bad way I think, you know, if you're just familiar with like the basics of the characters, you can jump in and, and find something to love and appreciate. And and again, it, it may not be everyone's um, favorite cup Batman of cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> cup, of, cup of blood? I don't know. Cup of... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if you like that kind of like big adventure Batman stories um, with like a touch of the supernatural, then I think you'll get a lot of enjoyment out of reading this book. I can't vouch for the Yonk because it's been forever, but I yeah. still really enjoy this story a lot. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to think when I reread that. Maybe my mind is changed. Maybe I was in a mood when I read it before. I don't know. But I always like to, if I don't like something, most of the time I want to read it a second time just so I can confirm my feelings. Because I've been surprised before and on a, a second reading, it's like, hold on, I actually like this more. Like um, Tom King's Batman. Like for me personally, like as they came out uh, bi-weekly, I wasn't digging it at all. Hmm. But when I started reading them like in trades, I did like a huge binge one day mm-hmm. and like it played so differently. That's and better. I, re- I really love that, that era now. Um, so yeah, you never know. Yeah. I think I still think this, the book as a whole is fine. I'd recommend, I mean, if you're a Batman reader, read it. This shout out to Doug Eisenbraun, Doug E. He reads everything that's coming up on the show. And then he'll he'll say whether he liked it or not. But he's always, I'll read it. I'll give it a shot. And I'll I think I'll always recommend someone, even if it's a story that I can that I can be like, I flat out, I do not like this. I hate it. I'd still say, well, read it and come up with your own opinion. Like, sure. Yeah. So if you haven't read it yet, um, and then I can also recommend that if you weren't necessarily the biggest fan, but you're like, I don't know, you can read it a second time and confirm those feelings. I think it's a fine story. I don't own it. I don't know if I will own it. Um. I would not put off reading it again in the future either. Like I just read it twice. So I don't feel like I need to read it one last time. Um, but <laughs> right. I, I mean, I'll, I'll check it out again in the future. Cause I do think like there are some, it's not a disgrace or it's like, that's what I mean. Fine. That's not meant negatively. It leans more positive. Fine. But it like, to me, that's just kind of where it sits and that's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, Javi's got his whip out. He would whip me <laughs> if if he could through the screen, but but that's not going to happen. So, um, thanks for coming back on the show. 
Yeah, man, I'm always happy to talk Batman with you. So glad. Thank glad you for you having dug, me. Yeah, I'm glad you chose a book that you know wasn't fresh in my mind. It was, even though I know what I've said, I'm um I'm really glad I got to read something felt fresh. You know, I was unfamiliar with again. Um, that's always a treat for me too. So, uh, why don't you go ahead and plug away anything and everything that you want? Uh, you can find me on BatmanOnFilm.com. Where never heard of I, it. <laughs> I just wrapped up reviewing Batman. Is it called? No, it's not called Batman. Uh, Gotham City Year One by yeah. Tom King and ah. Phil Hester, which is just for me personally, it's right up there with Batman Year One. Is you know, it's just a great Year One type of story. That if you want to find out, not like Batman the Night, where it's kind of like how Bruce went on his journey to become Batman. This is like the journey of how Gotham city went from being a place that was revered more than metropolis to the Gotham that created Batman. Um, and it's just, it's a fantastic film noir read. Uh, I'm also reviewing Batman. Uh, the adventures continue season three and Catwoman, which is going to be crossing over with Batman soon. So that'll be interesting. Um, you can go to the James Bond dossier.com where I'm reviewing uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson's 007 series, uh, which has also been, at least from a writing perspective, a really good book to read. And uh, I also launched my own YouTube channel, The Flash Up to Speed with Wally West, where I am starting at the beginning of his solo series in 1987 and um, just reviewing one episode at a time, one issue at a time, and just kind of walking people through it, letting them know Wally's history and giving my thoughts on it. So I have my pilot episode up where I kind of go into my fandom of Wally West and how I got there and reviewing his first appearance in the flash 110. And uh, I'm recording his first issue appearance soon. And I've also got a review up for the tweeter head flash one uh, six scale statue which is a masterpiece to look at. I'm really happy that I got it. So that's where I'm at. And uh, up to speed five on Twitter, Javi true on Twitter. Uh, the bond is not enough on Instagram, or you can just go to Batman on film.com. Find all my reviews there. Rock on. There you go. So as you can see, Javi isn't doing anything. Um, so <laughs> I'm no Peter but, Vera, but follow, follow him anyway, follow him anyway. Uh, for the Batman Book Club, you can uh, follow on Twitter and Instagram at the Batman BC for upcoming episodes, episode drops, sometimes even some giveaways. Uh, also subscribe to the Batman Book Club YouTube channel. Pete and I are going to get back to the road to no man's land. We're going to wrap that up in April. You make it like it's going to happen. Believe in us. I need, I need to catch hey. up on that. If you want to write into the show for questions or comments, concerns, go to Eric Holzman. You can do that at the BatmanBC at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, there's a variety of ways you can do that. You can join new patron Alex Light on patreon.com slash the BatmanBC. You can go to tpublic.com slash tbbc for the Batman Book Club for some merchandise like t-shirts, notebooks, onesies for your little ones. Um but if you don't want to spend any money at all, it's 100% A-OK. The easiest, cheapest, and most impactful thing you can do is rate and review the show wherever you listen to it. Whatever podcasts uh, host that you listen to. So Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google, iHeartRadio, wherever. 
go to the rate and review page, rate and review the show, because the more reviews it gets, the more it helps spread the word. And as we all know, Sarazo Will himself said it. The word is panic. So for Javi Turia, I am Ryan Lauer. And until next time, read my panic comments.